Hey, welcome back, film friends. I'm your host, Jordan Smith, (laughs) and with me, as always, co-host, Kate Eingorn. Hello. And the one, the only... Our child of man, Matt Bailey. Wow. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Um, you're doing something a little different with the intro. I like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, for the longtime listeners, you know, we've been pretty consistent for the last like two and a half years. I don't know if we've ever missed a week. And last week was a first week that we had to, unfortunately not put out an episode because you know pandemic life yeah you know pandemic life (laughs) um (laughs) and uh yeah so i just want to kind of spice it up you know welcome everybody back to the podcast um our hiatus yeah Yeah. our long hiatus i know people were on the boards um couple articles were written like where did they go is that it um but now we're back we're back we would we would never do you like that. Do, we we would never do you like that. <laughs> right on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so stepping right back into it, episode one twenty six, one twenty six BC, Tyrae successfully revolts from the Seleucid Empire. Oh. Dude, I think you meant Tyrion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think he's true, right. True, true. Um, yo, there's not much going on in 126. It's There's Tyrion, there's... Seleucius. Seleucius, you know. I don't know, not much. It, it is the third year of Ewan Shuo, so um, there's that. So let's pop over to AD 126. Jordan never tells us about who dies. Well, you know, if you don't know them while... Well, if you don't know, if you don't know, if you don't know them while they're living, why should you know them when they die? <laughs> I guess is what I say. Um, in AD 126, though, uh, the old pantheon is demolished by Hadrian, <gasps> and the construction of a new one begins. Hadrian, what did you do? Oh, he's just making renovations. Yeah, <laughs> that's just, all he's doing. He's like settling in for the long run. Um, yeah, and then it's the first year of the Yangzhan era <laughs> of the Chinese Han d- dynasty. Oh. So we're, it's a new era. Love a new I, era. I wonder when we're going to, well, we'll probably, <laughs> probably be a long time until we get out of uh, Rome. You know, Rome and China. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's literally going to be a couple of years. <laughs> like, um, a yeah. lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> We're never going to get out. No. Um, we may see, we're definitely going to see the death of Hadrian, though. We're going to see his downfall. I mean, yeah. People um, live till like 12 yeah. <laughs> this time. They're all child emperors back yeah. then. Um, I don't know anything about how Hadrian goes out, though. So I'm ex- I guess, I guess in, these, in these weird times, you look forward to things, and that's what I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
that's all that's going on with the history side of things. But um, speaking of more business at the top, we threw out um, a question on Instagram. And Kate, you want to go over some of the results, what we think about it? Yeah, so we, one, we, Jordan and I finally watched Little Women. Ooh. And it was great. And so we posted a picture of that and asked people's favorite um, book to movie adaptation. So we got a lot of reactions about um, Little Women itself. And um, people really don't like the Lori-Amy relationship. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys about that. How did you guys feel about it? So... Uh, it's tough because I, I it's I don't tough know. because like I, did you say you loved it i love it i love how like i mean here's the thing like i guess that's how it goes so it's like not like anything greta gerwig did right I feel like she made amy a little bit uh more i don't know if it's relatable or more like less of a uh i feel like from people that have seen the older ones or read the book she's unlikable almost mm. and i didn't get that vibe oh no i didn't get that vibe at all she's a little like she feels younger than the than Sersha's character i think she is probably um and like a little immature in the beginning so to me all she was was like a little annoying uh in the beginning of the movie but as the movie goes on she like really comes into her like she she falls into who she is as a woman so i'm like I'm cool with it. I just wanted her and I wanted Laurie and Joe to be together. Mm-hmm. So it's like a bummer. But like the way it works out is like you can't you can't blame any of them. Um, I think that without seeing Amy hang out by herself, I wouldn't like her. But I think seeing Amy spending time in Europe alone and figuring out who she is, you feel more for that character and what she went through which was complete she went through something completely different than the rest of the sisters um so she was kind of isolated in that but i also i don't know i wanted to see them together joe and laurie but i also you could pick up right away that amy's character was also in love with laurie her whole life so it's kind of nice for her to also kind of get something that she wanted to so i don't know i was not the ending i hoped for but i also i don't know i don't think it pissed me off i think i like the fact that amy still got you know her love fulfilled yeah um joe and laurie are definitely uh having an affair in the sequel oh they're hooking up on the side for sure um or they're like all together it's like a swinger relationship with the four of them yeah it was a it was a really really good movie though like very good storytelling everything was solidly done except Mm -hmm. emma watson's character is a little weak yeah she's a little flat why did bob odenkirk have to be the dad (laughs) i loved that part (laughs) that was great um his little women his little women he says the title like two or three times (laughs) but uh i also really loved the laurie's dad their neighbor and his his whole story about how he lost the daughter and 
uh, Beth kind of fills in and plays the piano at his house. And then, you know, when she, when she passes away, how emotionally distraught he is. Like I, I was really into that storyline too. Me too. I, I feel like I, I was into it because I had a feeling that uh, like, uh, there's gonna be some creepy shit going on just because i don't oh, know i see and i was like yo why does this dude want this girl over here so much yeah. shit's oh. and it turned out that didn't happen like that <laughs> no no not in the world of little women <laughs> i uh i love that story that one made me cry more than any of the other ones was when uh what's her name uh this daughter beth beth's when she dies um, and he can't bring himself to go to the funeral makes me cry more than anything else. Spoiler alert. <laughs> For a million-year-old book and three adaptations. Um, and I just checked. The book is around a million years old. Yeah. So. Um, yo, I, this might be this might be coming out of nowhere, but uh, I think this is Timothée's best performance. Yeah. I think he he was like he's really good. He in was this. really really good in it. I don't know. He plays a tortured soul really well. I mean that's his thing. Yeah, sure. it is. He's a brooder for sure. Um, so let's tap into the second part, which was uh, some adaptations that people enjoyed. So we got your "Call Me by Your Name." Yes. We got your the the Martian. Um, really? perks of being a wallflower. Uh, no country for old men and uh, submarine were some of our answers. Yeah, submarine was the one where uh, that's a movie I've always wanted to watch, never watched it, and I also didn't know it was a book either. Same. So that one kind of makes me want to dive into that world a little bit. That cover, I've seen it maybe a thousand times. Yeah, mm-hmm. it has the the guy from Red Oaks in it. Yeah, and boy. also Richard Io. Iota? I don't know how you say his last name. The guy from the IT crowd is the director. And I've seen his movie, The Double. It's really good. So, yeah. But um, thanks to all the listeners for putting some of those out. Yes, thank you. We'll probably throw out another one this week. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, stay tuned to our Instagram 24-7, baby. <laughs> um, uh. And question, should we go live? <laughs> Not right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we're we're floating around the idea of a film friends live sesh. Uh, uh, all the musicians are, are doing it, so you know we might yeah, have to jump in there. In Instagram, if you guys hop on one end and I hop on the other end, you can do like a a two way Instagram live thing, me and you guys. Oh really? Hmm. We have to to discuss that. Oh, that might be cool. We'll, let's throw around that idea that might be fun through our uh movie collections <laughs> oh yeah that would be cool mm-hmm. um cool well stay tuned to that and this is <laughs> this is the section where we talk about <laughs> what we're gonna do uh planning on uh recording um cool well it's been two weeks how are you guys doing um it's been rough dude <laughs> <laughs> losing my friggin mind yeah how are you holding up over there bailey i just want an errand to do you know yeah (laughs) i would love to have to like go out and get my oil changed (laughs) do something yeah i feel you there and, and it's in a weird way it's the worst on the weekends 
I mean, obviously, because people are still working. Um, but you're just so in that like mode of okay, Friday, Saturday, Sunday hit. You know, here's here's the time we're gonna do stuff, run errands, hang out, blah blah blah. And now the fact that you just it's just all the same. Stay, (laughs) stay put. But yeah, we gotta flatten that curve and keep it flat, baby. I'm also losing my mind, and in my I keep having dreams about like, am I dreaming or am I still awake? So it's like all 24 hours are like the same. (laughs) It's cool. (laughs) I'm having a great time. (laughs) I mean, I I'm I can't complain. No, I'm starting to lose it a little bit, but um, me too. But it's. Cool. I think we could see the light at the end of the tunnel, so that's a good thing. Um, but uh, yeah. Do you see the light? I I I see the light. <laughs> Is it like when we're waiting for the subway and you peek down and you can see a little? Uh... You see the little headlights. Yeah, it's exactly uh, like along that. the the wall. <laughs> But sometimes when you're in the subway and you peek down and you think you see a headlight, sometimes there's false light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. That's what's going on now. Um, yeah, that's, that's what might be going on now. Uh, the curve is starting to flatten and turn over, but could be a false light. You never know. Um, but that's why we're still bringing you content to keep you guys entertained at home. Um so if that's all the business, let's just check. Is there anything grinding our gears right now besides not being able to get your oil changed? Um, I mean, the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, it's really grinding our gears. Um, yeah. We ran out of bagels yesterday. <laughs> Yo, people don't have toilet paper. <laughs> Yo, I made your bagels. Uh, a week before everyone started grabbing toilet paper, I made Jordan grab the twenty-seven pack. So we've been pretty good. We're out of uh, paper towels, and um, we've been using we've been buying napkins. Mm, <laughs> interesting. Nice. Yeah. We we got lucky and somehow got two rolls of paper towels. We did the Amazon Fresh. Oh. They gave us two rolls of papies when we ordered them. Yeah, I've been um, just playing a lot of video games, honestly. And um, if you guys want to add me on Xbox, it's uh, Matt X Bailey. Go find him. Yeah, go find me. What's your game of choice, Bailey? Um, Call of Duty's been hot right now, but I also consistently play uh. NBA 2K20, dude. The mm. mm, hot game, people love it. Yeah, Classic. I miss I miss the season so much. Yeah. I bought oh, yeah. Jordan that game on the Switch. Where do you guys play it? Yeah, I um, as much as I want to be a gamer, I'm just not a gamer. Mm-hmm. I don't have it in me. I had it in me when I was like 12, playing Roller Coaster Tycoon, and then then I lost it. But I always want to get it back. <laughs> I just can't do it. But like even during this quarantine, like well, I've been doing a lot of homework and stuff, but um I've been reading a lot too. I'm back in the reading game. Me too. Dude, I wish I was. I just can't focus. I don't know. We'll we'll mail you a uh a good one. <laughs> 
Yo, mail me a good one. I tried to mail Jordan a good one. He sent it back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I read the first installment, uh, Sleeping Giants, and it was all right, but I wasn't interested in staying in that world anymore. Jordan's Jordan's not into series. He's a one-and-done type dude. Yeah, that's fair. I also have a very tough time, like, choosing what books I'm going to read ahead of time. It's very much a feeling for me. Like, I'll finish a book and then... I'll check out what I have and just go with the flow. I can't be like, yo, I'm going to read one, two, and three back to back to back. Just can't do it. Yeah. But hey, that's just me. Book podcast, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) We'll save it for the book podcast. Uh, Yo, I would love if people hit us up about books. I mean, they kind of just did. (laughs) We kind of made them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Cool. Well, if you guys are ready, I'm very ready to dive into today's film friend um and bailey it was your choice so i'm gonna as they say on zoom and skype i'm gonna pass you the ball so you're the host (laughs) and uh yeah you're gonna tell us who you chose this week and why um i chose my boy clive owen um some would call him the uh better version of gerard butler (laughs) Ooh, I, I can agree with that. Help. Yeah, he really is. Um, I don't know, dude. He's hot. He's, um, I really like. Uh, I basically love uh, the movie Children of Men. So that was one of the main reasons why I picked him, so we could watch that and talk about it. But also, like, he's also a guy where, like, if he's in a movie, I'll kind of check it out. Ooh. Mm. I kinda, I, yo, I back him. I think he's cool. We haven't had one of those for you in a while. You are loyal to your soil. And uh, I'll say one thing. If there's anyone in my life that has talked about Clive Owen consistently, it's been you. <laughs> Yo, but here's the thing. We watched um, a good movie and a bad movie. And, dude, the bad movie was fucking sick. So. Yo, it, it, <laughs> Turns out we watched two good movies. <laughs> I know. So can Clive Owen do any wrong? <laughs> I don't think so. I want to agree with the fact that you said he's hot, and he is. I think he yeah. looks hot. He sounds hot. His presence is hot. Yeah, Kate kind of was to hot there. to trot for him. <laughs> Yo, Yo he and just, I think he's a good actor, too. He I mean, is. like, he, he kills it. He just has to stand there, and you're like, you got this. Yeah, he has that presence it's like kind of a bit of an old school cool to him and he's just like i mean the two so if i'm being real with you i think these are the only two clive owen movies i've seen damn like this was my i've known who clive owen was my whole life (laughs) how can you not (laughs) so um he's in sin city oh true i've seen him in that i don't remember and that's the one that i I, so apparently I've seen him in The Born Identity and Inside Man, but I don't remember him. And that, it's been a long time since I've seen Inside Man. But I do very much remember his character from Sin City. Yeah, so do I. And it, I mean, yeah, I recently watched Inside Man too on a, on an airplane. I thought that movie was good and he was cool in it. So, Oh, I mean, you know where I've seen him and he was really good? Hemingway and Gellhorn, the one about Hemingway and his, like, Mitch and his love life. Mm. Yo, and he plays Hemingway. All right, I'm I'm on I'm on the Clive train. 
Yo, did yeah. you love him in Gemini Man? <laughs> <laughs> that one I haven't checked out yet, but um, just looking at what he's been up to, it looks like he's is he, he might be playing Bill Clinton in American Crime Story. <laughs> Whoa, I kind of <laughs> love that. No, I'm not sure if this is Bill Clinton or not. William Jefferson Clinton. Oh, that's oh, definitely it is Bill him. Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's it. Is Bill Clinton a junior? Could that be? I Bill think Clinton? so. No, nah, I don't know. Um, I don't know why it doesn't just say Bill Clinton, <laughs> but you yeah, gotta get his be... full name in there. And it looks like he was on a uh, an episode of Curb here in 2020, so he's staying relevant. Yeah, yep. he is staying relevant. As and as happened in the past, once we review him, he's gonna shoot further up that stardom ladder well he's in a lot of blockbusters so <laughs> i don't know how much more he can go up but he's been in blockbusters that haven't been crazy successful yeah i would love to see him roll back into something like children of men where that's like a little more indie yeah uh, i he, feel like he he um the thing is i feel like he's not in that many blockbusters i think you're thinking of gerard butler yeah, no I i'm think saying I... recently he was in that like a valerian movie or whatever yeah. that was supposed to, that was one of the most expensive movies like ever made yeah um gemini man was really big there I mean, was another blockbuster for like the last like couple years most of the ones he's um been in are really big i think you're forgetting about the pink panther <laughs> that was yeah. a very long time ago um I feel like it's more of a um He's not like an action man through and through. I feel like he is more of a drama thriller kind of guy, which I back more than the action man. I would say yeah. he's thriller for sure. Yeah. He's he's very much in these thriller movies with one word titles like Anon, Trust, <laughs> Derailed, Duplicity, <laughs> Bent. <laughs> Ooh, um, like Matchbox 20? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I back him. Also, Closer is a movie I think I've seen. That's um, supposed to be uh, a good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got some got some studs like Julia Roberts, Jude Law, Natalie Portman. That one looks good. I don't want to um, say this too soon, but I'm gonna I say it. <laughs> um, I he was not on my radar at all before we did this. Now he's solidly on my radar. Hell yeah. Hop on the Clive train. Everybody hop on. Yo, I'll say choo choo. Like I'm on I'm on his uh I think I'm, I'm on his train now. Oh. To like first off, I, I know this is giving away Children of Men blew me away. And Same. it's like almost a perfect movie to me. And then yeah. then I was like gearing up for last night's. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. It's Clive Owen and Morgan Freeman set in like ancient times. It's gonna be god awful. That baby blew me away too. So. Yo, the thing is, I was watching the movie and like forty five minutes in, I was like, "Yo, I'm really into this right now." <laughs> like, uh, is there something wrong with me? Why is this movie rated so bad? Yeah. And then I just held on, and it was sick. It's just that that movie's a slow moving train, but yeah. it gets to the station. Yeah, let's uh, if you guys are ready, let's dive in. I want to talk. I'm I'm cool with either one. So Bailey, which one do you want to start with? Um, let's start with Children of Men. Let's give the people uh the good movie what they need. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we're talking about the 2006, honestly, masterpiece. Masterpiece. Uh, Children of Men. 
Bailey, take it away. Children of Men is about a time where babies ain't born no more. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the world's really gone to shit. I think the year is 2027. Yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, so babies aren't born anymore. Um, the only place that's really popping off is London. Everything else has really gone to shit. And um, yeah, it's a really scary future where, you know, they're sending out all the immigrants and uh, the world's literally going to end because no more babies are born. Um, and they, Clive Owen, he has to, uh, he, find, he finds a baby. <laughs> no, he finds a, uh, a woman that was pretty much sent to him by his ex-lover, Ju- mm. uh, Julianne Moore. Film friend. Film friend Julianne Moore. And uh, he has to escort this pregnant woman to safety. And it's sick. Yeah, it's so sick. It is sick. Also, great synopsis. That was really good. Um, yeah. Yo. yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I've seen this movie a bunch. I, I like It's a movie where like, I'll, I could watch it so many times over. So I wanted to bring that up to you. One, you've talked about this movie for a very long time and like oh. I could kick myself for never really watch like I've always thought oh that's the movie Bailey likes I'm I gotta check that out and finally did but like is this a top five for you I I think so it, it the okay um I'm getting really excited um <laughs> it, it all like started really I had to read a um in high school, I had a, uh, I guess it was like an English class or whatever, and they gave us like a list of books to read, and one of them was Children of Men. Um, and I picked it because I knew there was a movie. Um, <laughs> so it would be easier to do like the report or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so didn't read the book, but I did watch the movie at that time. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, ever since then. I mean, I haven't read the book. Jordan, you're a big reader. Maybe you should check it out. Yeah, by P.D. James, 1992. Yeah, but yeah, great adaptation, I must say. (laughs) You really got that, put one on that teacher. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, Mrs. Rouse. Oh, Mrs. Rouse. Rouse. (laughs) Um, Let's get her on the podcast. Is there a question? (laughs) Um, This... It's funny because, um, Bailey, your picks have become a choice of what movies you want to force us to watch or <laughs> yeah. more Jordan to watch. Yeah, well, also, that's kind of the way I've been picking them lately, though, too. It's like, what what movie do I want to talk about with these guys? Mm-hmm. I, I think they're some of the best episodes, too. Um, yeah, so this one's directed by Alfonso Cuaron. So the guy who did Roma, Gravity, uh, Don't Forget Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Or Azkaban. <laughs> Who are you? And then E2 Mama Tompian. Um So this guy's like a master. Um, yeah. But, you know, the, the great thing about this movie, I think, is like it just continually is moving. There's not a lot of scenes where it's just like two people talking at a table in a room like Clive Owen is basically just because of the nature of the plot is constantly on the move. And like, it's just the way it's shot too. you're on the move with these characters 
pretty much constantly in the movie and it's like it really adds to the stress and the anxiety and like the intenseness right from the get-go like the first before the t- the title screenshot and like that scene is incredible because mm-hmm. it like sets up this world of infertility and baby ricardo dies the youngest baby <laughs> It's Diego. Oh, Diego. Oh, Diego Ricardo is his name. Um, okay. <laughs> baby Diego. So I go by his last name. Okay, sorry. Um, but yeah, the the opening is so crazy. They set up, okay, this dystopic world. The youngest person just died. And you're like, what? What does that even, even mean? mean? Like, <laughs> I was like, what does that I mean? I wrote youngest person, no babies. Yeah. Because you're not like explained fully up front and i like that yeah and i didn't know the plot to this movie so that like threw me off and then all of a sudden there's like a bombing um that clive owen barely makes it out of and then just the title title card of children of men and you're like holy shit while like your ears are ringing yeah yeah yeah. oh it's so good so good Uh, so this is the first time you guys have watched it yeah yeah Yeah. i'm surprised i yeah, I wasn't convincing enough to get you guys to watch it earlier, but yeah, you've been um, talking about it since I met you. Like, no joke. Like, I met you, I think, in two thousand eight. Um, mm-hmm. this is post your high school with Mrs. Rouse, so like, <laughs> so it was all you were talking about at the time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I think like the movie does a really good job of like keeping you on your toes, just because like there's so many parts where it's just like, oh fuck, or like just out of nowhere, like the explosion or like someone gets shot and you just don't expect certain things to happen. And it's, it's it does a really good job of keeping you in. Yeah. And I was saying to Jordan while we were watching this, that movies there's that do this, don't always do it. Well, it's very hard to make a movie that's constantly emotion good. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it's either feels like too much and you're like exhausted and you're like, there's not enough, pieces joining this plot together we're moving too fast um i don't know what's going on like it's almost like loses you sometimes so i think it's a really hard balance to achieve in a movie like this to keep you captivated keep the energy and not exhaust you and not lose you yeah and i think it's an incredible feat to just be able to do that alone and still and he does it in such an artistic way too it's this is truly a masterful movie yeah it's like some of the scenes, like this type of movie, like Kate said, it could be exhausting, like all the action and like, you know. The, the long shots, dude. Like, yeah. The, I feel like a lot, like 1917's like the movie now that's like all in one shot or right. whatever. Like, but the, I feel like this movie kind of, I don't want to say like <laughs> inspired it, but like, dude, there's like the one shot at the end, like towards the end where, um, they have to go up into that uh like apartment building right Mm -hmm. that that whole like actiony scene is probably not cut for like 10 minutes at least oh yeah because they basically just follow him and they kind of do that in the beginning now i just want to give a warning to the listeners if you haven't listened or watched this movie we're gonna spoil this is like this (laughs) is i know we say this a lot like go back and watch it this is one i would definitely highly highly suggest 
watching and then coming back to this episode if you haven't seen it because like i kind of want to talk about some of the spoilers and if if you know that they're happening it's still an incredible movie i'm sure but But like like, you you need to experience it for the first time and there are things that happen in this that it's so it has like a classic arc but not in a way that's done classically (laughs) so do you know what i mean like it has a dystopic where they have the things have to happen and yeah. those things do happen yeah. but not in a way that they typically transpire yeah, it's like that classic unclassic yeah it's yeah. a classic unclassic so it's a classic sorry not sorry yeah for sure um and i love that so you you know you know you kind of have an idea of what's gonna happen at the end but the way they get there you're like oh shit i didn't see that happening or that happening um mm-hmm. Which also makes this movie like fresh. And to kind of go along with what Bailey was saying, like the long shots, some of the long shot action sequences were like what I loved about it in particular. Um, so we, we mentioned that former film friend Julianne Moore is in the movie and she's an ex. She's uh, Clive Owen's character's ex-wife, question mark? Yeah. Okay. Ex-lover, ex-wife. They yeah. had a kid. And you you get the background about their kid and kind of why they split up. And they haven't been together as long as this infertility has been going on, which is like 18 years, 19, 20 years. Um, But all of a sudden she comes back into his life because she is a part of this like uprising anti-government group. And they have this woman who's pregnant and she's basically the leader of it. And she wants to get this girl across the border somewhere safe um, called the human project. So she, she reaches out. Well, she basically kidnaps Clive Owen and says like, you're going to do this for me. You're the only person I trust. So, you know, he, he then is on board and like the group of them. Sorry. What's that? He's also getting paid. Yeah, Yeah, he is getting paid. (laughs) Um, so the group of them, Julianne Moore, Clive Owen, the girl, her helper, and another like faction leader, um, are trying to drive across the border. And that scene where they basically get blockaded and, spoiler alert, Julianne gets shot, um, is, like, incredible. It's, mm-hmm. like, one of the best things I've... Like, the most intense thing I've seen in a movie. Like, it's... Yeah. And that's, like... it. I don't know if it was now thinking back, but it feels like one of those long one-shots that you're talking about, I Bailey. it is, because, like, yeah, it's... Yeah, and I think like the whole scene, like the it's just filmed from inside the car, right? Yeah. Right. And it's yeah, it's it is one of those like long shots that I guess like is very. It's like crazy to, especially in action scenes. Like imagine like one thing going wrong and having to redo that super long shot over again. Like I, I can't imagine how long those right. long shots take because well, one little thing could go wrong and you have to. Well, especially when they're rolling a car on fire in the middle of the road yeah and like someone's crashing their motorcycle and then someone's getting shot and then they're shooting police officers like i mean it probably who knows like birdman in 1917 obviously aren't like one one shot shot. so that there's there might be some magic uh movie magic going on uh might be some magic mic going on but like it it just appears to be one shot and it just like looks Incredible. And also the cinematography, they they were nominated for an Oscar for the cinematography. Uh, that makes sense. So um 
But what was shocking to me was like they weren't nominated for best. It wasn't nominated for best picture. Clive Owen wasn't nominated. Alfonso Cuaron wasn't nominated for director. He was for writing for adapted screenplay. Damn, that's but like this was the year of I think Babel. Um, fucking The Departed one, which Uh like. Um, I know people love The Departed. It's a good movie, but like, get off Marty, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I feel like even at this point, um, maybe Alfonso Cuaron wasn't like as established. I feel like this is like his first like. I mean, he did Prisoner of Azkaban, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this was like his first like real like. Oh shit, this guy's like for real. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and I like, I'm pretty sure E2 Mama Tombi, and that's been on my wanna watch list for a while. That one's like great. Like I think he. I think he's ba- he basically came out swinging his whole career, but this one's still early on. Yeah. But uh, I think this is the one that possibly, I don't know when Prisoner of Azkaban came out, but I don't know if like this one earned him that or the other way well, around. Well, I know that um, Harry Potter was doing that thing that Marvel kind of does now where they take young filmmakers who've had like, a movie that got some buzz so they can get like a cheaper director, but they've seen his style. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was kind of in that early wave of blockbuster directors that kind of did a blockbuster movie to get money to do, Uh you know, other projects. Yeah. And Prisoner of Azkaban does have that like dark vibe too, that he kind of has in Children of Men, like the, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I, I could see see why he was a choice. Prisoner of Azkaban came out two years before this movie. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, have you seen Gravity, Bailey? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I really, like, was super into it, but, like... You're not a space guy, though. Yeah, you know, I am and I'm not, but I, I just need more... Uh, I'm not, like, a um, one-actor movie kind of guy. Gotcha. So you, you hate, I mean? like, Castaway? Castaway, yes, it's all right. And uh, that movie where the guy gets stuck in uh, the desert or whatever. Uh, 127 hours. hours. The movies don't really do it too much for me. Yeah, I get that. Mm -hmm. Me too. Well, we are not talking about our film friend Michael Caine yet. And it's a damn shame. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, Jasper. So Michael Caine plays... Like an ex-political cartoonist who I guess is Julianne Moore's dad. Is she? I thought I was just kind of. I didn't know that. I is don't. He? I, I don't, thought he was like a father figure. Yes, too. that's what I think too. I think so. He was a political cartoonist. His wife was a like political journalist, and I think they got linked together through politics. Oh, uh, okay, okay. And that I think they were sense. just like super close. I think you're right. It's like a father figure. Where I feel like they didn't really have those, so they latched on to him. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, like, the whole time, that's why I had a little question mark at the end. Because I was like, I, is he the dad? He's acting like a dad. And, mm-hmm. like, even when he's talking about Dylan, the, the child that Clive Owen and Julianne Moore had, he's like, yeah, he they would even bring him over to the house. And when he said that, I was like, I mean, why is that, like why is that even a detail you have to talk about? And it makes sense if he's actually not the grandfather. Mm-hmm. So, but um, yeah. yeah, he plays this like hippie ex political cartoonist. Um, and he basically lives in like a, 
the coolest house ever. Yeah, the coolest house ever where they he kind of has to hide, I guess, because he was extremely outspoken against the government. Mm -hmm. So he's like lying low in this in the woods in this hidden, you know, house, which is very, very cool. And his wife, I think at this point, has dementia or something, something where she's kind of blank and, and gone. Um but yeah, he's cool. He grows weed. He's very like the strawberry cough. Yeah, he's very hippie, but he's also a father figure and very savvy and smart and funny. Um, and his I mean, he's a character that you just love because yes. it's one. It's Michael Caine with long hair Two, he's just like lovable and funny. And he's just so on Clive Owen's side that you cannot not like him. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Sure. Um. But um, it's honestly yeah. worth watch just to see Michael Caine with long hair. Yeah, I was trying to think, is there another movie that Michael Caine has long hair? And I couldn't think of a single one. No. <laughs> we so might have cool. to hit up a former guest, Will Hokertle, on that one. He is the resident Michael Caine expert. This, um, this movie was also eerie for now because they talk about the flu pandemic taking people's lives. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just a little, you know... Interesting watching it now during this coronavirus. So, Bailey, you said a detail in your synopsis that I guess I didn't pick up on too much, but London in this movie is like the last bastion of hope, I guess. Or Yeah, like, it, it, they, they mentioned that um, there's like a ton of little things that you notice, like like certain signs. You, if you watch like again, yeah. you, there's little things you pick up on. Like, yeah, they're saying like... Um, when they talk about their parents, um, Julianne Moore and Clive Owens, they talk about, oh, was your was your family in New York when it happened? Like, they don't talk about what happened, but they just talk about, like, it. And, like, and then they mention, like, yeah, the only last uh, England, like, London, the last empire to survive this. Gotcha. Like, and, yeah, there's tons of, like, little shit that you can pick up on if yeah, you're watching. There's so many details, and that's why it's probably awesome on a rewatch, because, like, even in the very beginning opening scene, you're, you're listening to a newscast, but then you're just, like, getting used to the vibe, because everything's, like, dirty and dystopic, mm-hmm. and you're just, like, it's, like, confusing in the beginning. Um, yeah. It's funny, because, like, uh, my mom uses my amazon prime and whenever we watch a good movie i'm always like hey mom check this movie out so (laughs) she watched this one and she called me like 20 minutes in to like kind of straighten some of the details out because it is like it's a little confusing and it's meant to be i think confusing and and like expose some details along the way but it would absolutely be a good rewatch i think for those like for the political details like even the character that Clive Owen goes to see to get transport papers, like who the fuck was that, and what was going on there? Uh, the like futuristic art guy whose job, so he spends his whole life just um, rescuing famous works of art to gotcha. preserve them. Oh, it's also his uncle. Yeah, it's his uncle. Oh, that's his uncle. Yeah. Oh, and I didn't pick that up. He. He asked him, like, why are you doing this? He's pretty much like, I got to hold on to some culture. Like, like we can't let all this, yeah. like, work of art, like, 
go to shit pretty much and that's why they show you that statue they've reinforced the leg because that one was like in the midst of being destroyed and they rescued it and saved it and they have this like huge famous work of art behind their dinner table it's just like their house is just filled with these yeah this art that he's just trying to savage so his whole life is just about rescuing so that's i i kind of got that but i didn't know that was like his mission Mm -hmm. Um, yeah i I mean yeah. The most I really got from that, I wasn't really, I didn't really pay pick up on all that. I just knew that, like, yo, this is his uncle that could help him out. Right. And, and that that's bare bones. That's all you need to know. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, what is his kid doing? <laughs> Ed Westwick from Gossip Girl. I know we don't talk about TV, but. Oh, shit. I was so confused about what he was his doing. His digital hand thing. But um, apparently Kate was telling me that guy got me too, so. Yeah. Okay. Um, but he had to take his medicine. I, like that was like a detail where I was like, I want to know more about why that kid has to like take his medicine. Right. I thought like something we're gonna this kid with this mechanical arm and taking medication, and we're gonna learn a little something about him. But I just thought it was showing that like, yo, these people are rich, and that's the that's the future where like right. you can just move your fingers and you can like type. Yeah. yeah, and he was like so zoned in. It's like kind of when you're playing a video game or you're on your phone that like the outside world is kind of you're you're so zoned into your whatever you're doing that the outside world doesn't exist. And like these are these rich, wealthy people. Like even when the world's gone to shit and hell, they're still like they're escaping in a way. So yeah, yeah. I think you're right. And also like the fact that he's taking medicine is probably something to do to preserve. Like, hell, the fact that he's young, young people don't stay alive. So they yeah. can, like, have access to that. And also, I noticed that they were eating fresh fruit for dinner. So it's probably rare to get mm-hmm. fresh yeah. food. Um, so then then a lot of details happen. Uh, there's ter- so much detail. Yeah, there's a lot of twists and turns in the middle. But I wouldn't mind kind of skipping all over that because that's, like, a lot of logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one thing I do want to point out um the one guy, you know the um the bad guy with dreads yes oh, yeah that's uh that's fucking uh charlie hunnam i know mm-hmm. i know yo that They're character is so despicable yeah, he is. like but it's incredible that it's charlie hunnam and he, he's like really good as the bad yeah. guy yeah i didn't know that until like i was just on imdb because they don't really like show his face no. or like you don't really get too much into him but i was like well, his face is definitely obscured by his hair. And he's yeah. al- also like a character that's constantly moving and like constantly putting a gun in someone's face. Well, True. and he's constantly like in groups. So he's in that initial bombing in the beginning where they're all just like scattering. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting because like you said, you can't really see his face or identify him, but he's a very notable character. For such yeah. a minor role, you remember that character. It shows you how good of an actor he is for that role yeah i mean i fuck for charlie hunnam i, I like him a lot um but uh yeah so then like you get to the point and you kind of know clive owen like you know once you're on this ride that you're gonna be like okay it's basically gonna be clive owen with this girl named key who is pregnant um and you know they're just gonna try to make it to get some help and like much a safety yeah yeah. and like you don't learn much about key right like we don't get much about why she's pregnant where she's from you just kind 
Yeah, I mean, at this point, like, yeah, she doesn't know who the father is, like, and, and I mean, like, when the world where no one's having babies and shit, I imagine people are just fucking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's, like, true. no consequence almost. That's true. Yeah. Um, so you're kind of just, like, you kind of just accept her as, like, okay, cool, this mm-hmm. is this is it. Um, but they get to the point where a very cool detail is, like, there are these huge refugees. There's a huge refugee camp called Bex Hill because there's a there's a very big like immigration reform mm-hmm. thing happening and i guess that's because london is like the last city metro area yes. so people are just flooding, flooding it, it from all around the world and like london the government has this like immigration shutdown so it's like super hardcore and super strict and there's like a lot of seems like killing going on of immigrants it's just like really strict and really bad um but their whole thing is like the only way out is into this refugee camp by getting like caught kind of or like mm-hmm. pretending they're immigrants that you know got caught or whatever which i think is very clever um yeah. so then you get to this refugee camp where you meet a character named oh. mariska or <laughs> right yeah. marika 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 but yeah yeah i mean just this whole time um you really feel like you can't trust anyone yeah so like you meet people and you're like yo i don't know if we could trust them or not like the whole time like because i mean initially like they get like like julianne moore dies and they get like um the people that they're with you can't trust them and they're trying to steal the baby and shit so like, right because the julianne moore murder was a setup it was yeah. like a a twist within a twist which was, was like super effed up it was also super smart for creating that distrust in other characters because yeah. you're immediately told trust these people yeah they're gonna bring you to safety and within the first act of the movie you find out that these people are bad yeah which is very unheard of in these types of movies where you don't find that out usually till much later and that becomes the climax of the movie so it's interesting to kind of reveal it super early and have it almost be the driving force of the narrative and um it also sets up that idea that bailey just said about how you can't trust anyone if you can't trust these people who can you trust it's basically you could only really trust clive owen and you do trust michael Caine, and you know he's good Um, but you know, they eliminate all the people that you feel like you can trust. Mm. So at the end, what'd you say? I was just going to say, yeah. So when you meet people after that moment, you don't know who you can trust and who you can't. Exactly. So when we meet, um, Marika, it's like awesome. Cause at first you're like, this lady's crazy. Yeah. So she's like a gypsy lady at the refugee camp that's supposed to get them housing and then also get them to a boat. Um, but like you meet her and you're like, oh, you're not we're not going to be able to trust this person. She's going to rat them out or like she doesn't know what the hell's going on. Um, but she ends up being like their guide and really, really They're delivering. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Um, she truly like self-sacrifices, too, which is an interesting move. And another intense moment that they add is key actually births the baby at the refugee camp. And that's like a. That's an awesome scene. One, because the baby is looks... the cutest baby ever. <laughs> Yo, it's also pretty wild that like 
Dude, they they get in there. Yeah, yeah. they get, get in, in there. there. They show you it literally popping out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like not. I don't know. Sometimes birthing scenes, or and then like when a newborn baby, it looks like so unreal, yeah. or it's like so unbelievable. But this one was like. I don't know. I bought into it. It mm-hmm. was pretty good. Same. Did his research. <laughs> What's that? Alfonso did his research. Uh, oh, yeah. He sure. had a baby himself just for this yeah. movie. Um, but I love that. That's like one of my like post that birthing scenes. One is where the movie is so unique. It's you get nervous for her because you think people are going to try. All people are going to try to take it, but it gains them so much respect. Yeah. And those scenes of respect are so moving yeah especially the scene where there's literally fighting going on gunfire death killing and when people hear the cry of the baby like everyone ceases fire and the Mm -hmm. military kind of just stands and lets her pass through it's like super super powerful yeah that whole scene i mean that was like the one i was talking about earlier where like it's just such a long shot of Mm -hmm. them running through this like town and bullets going everywhere and it's awesome and like halfway through (laughs) it's weird i don't know if this is like something they planned on or what but like these like little like blood and i guess it's like a way to show that it is the same scene i guess going on they just stay on the camera for like 10 minutes i was wondering that too like because I guess you see that in movies sometimes. Actually, I don't even know. I can't recall a movie. It happens in video games <laughs> when yeah. you get shot. But, like, yeah, the blood staying on the camera lens was awesome. Like, that was yeah. really cool. It, like, at first it's like, ooh, you're breaking the fourth wall. But it kind of adds to how, like, chaotic it is at that moment. And that, like, no one's safe. Yeah. yeah. Not even the camera. Not even the Not camera. even Alfonso. Um, so then, you know, you get to the end, which the ending is like perfect. I think it's mm-hmm. perfect for a movie where like basically everything's going wrong and like, you're just like, oh, the good guys are not going to prevail. But, uh, Clive Owen's character gets them to the, gets her to the boat. Um, but with in a, Marika, with Marika, um, but like gets them to the human project boat called the tomorrow um but you know clive owen dies at the end but he like fulfilled his mission um Mm -hmm. and it's great because she says she's gonna name the baby dylan Dylan. after his child that passed away in the pandemic so like i don't know it ties it up in a very very nice way um yeah it's just good and like even the shots at the end of the the boat in the water mm-hmm. are, i love like, that so eerie awesome. but yeah. like soothing and comfortable at the same time it's it also like really isolates them because you can't see anything but the buoy and them um but i also love this is something that you don't even realize until he says it he literally looks at her and goes what a day <laughs> and you're like oh shit yeah this was like one day it, like the from when they left when she yeah. had the baby and left that place, it was all just one day. No, that is day. true. It is just one day. <laughs> like, this movie's more than one day, but that scene is just yeah, one day, which yeah. is crazy. And you're like, oh, shit, yeah, that was a day. Like, oh, what a day is right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Masterful movie. Yeah. Dope movie. Like, I think 
fans of anything would like this movie really even though it's like mostly thriller mostly drama mostly action i don't know there's a lot in here for everyone there's like love lost there's definitely action there's political stuff there's hope hope yeah there's michael kane with long hair so Mm -hmm. Um, if you're into good movies, I think you should check it out. Yeah, yeah agreed. <laughs> For people who like good movies. Um, I agree. But uh, yeah, so I mean, we talked about it a lot, so uh, I want to save a little time for the next one as well. So why don't we give this one a rating and then a... Uh, uh, 10 out of 10, dude. Yeah, I give this one a 10 out of 10 too. I was going to give it five stars on Letterboxd, but oh. I didn't. Um, maybe I'll go back and do it. You know what? I'll give it a 10 out of 10. Round it all even. Yeah. Um, Cool. But uh, yeah, so before we move into the lower rated movie one, which we apparently loved, um, why don't we find out a little bit more about Clive? Because we, you know, Kate and I don't know much about him. Um, And that is in our section called What's Your Height? What's Your Weight? What's Your Height? What's your weight? If your hopes match your decay, what's your height? What's your weight? Will they get it wrong? I'd, uh, I'd rather not put it get it right. What's your height? I forget what I changed it to, but. He said, I'll, I'll text you. I said, we should write it down because you won't remember. He said, I'm going to remember. <laughs> um, all right. So we got all the everything. So we got the works today. So Bailey said he's six feet tall, 185 pounds from London, England, 53 years old, Capricorn, size 11 shoe. Jordan said he is 6'2", 205 pounds, size 11 shoe. Scorpio at 48 years old from London town. Mm. All right. You guys did good this week. So he is 6'2", so Jordan, right on the money. He is 195 pounds, 92 pounds, so pretty much the average between both of you. Mm -hmm. He is an 11.5 shoe, so 11 Mm. and a half. So pretty close. And then, Bailey, I feel like um, you're going to love this because he was born October 3rd, two days after you were born. Um, Yeah. in 1964, so he's 55, and he is a Libra. Yes, sir. Damn, he's 55. Mm-hmm. Yep, 55. Uh, so, Bailey, you were closest on that. Uh, he was oh, born yeah. in Coventry, Warwickshire, England. Um, That's so basically London, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Warwickshire. Shout out to all our uh, fans from England. Uh, yes. I apologize. I don't know. I apologize. I don't know the geography there. Um, and yeah, so his first movie was Vroom in 1988. Mm. Do you guys want to guess some favorites? Yes. So what's what are his favorite foods? Yeah, uh, fish and chips. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna go with he likes a he likes sausage. <laughs> Interesting. All right, so he likes steak and sushi. Okay. Yeah, honestly, same. <laughs> Who's his favorite actor? Michael Caine. Yeah, I'm going to go with like a classic like James Dean. Mm. Humphrey Bogart. Uh-huh. So very classic. Um, what are his favorite movies? 
Um, a Humphrey Bogart movie. The Great Escape. <laughs> um, Gravity. And <laughs> <laughs> Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That's cool. What's his favorite? Who's his favorite musician? Elvis uh, Costello. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead, Bailey. I just said Paul McCartney. Uh, David Bowie. And some okay. interesting facts about that is um, he said that David Bowie is the biggest influence of his entire life. And every time David Bowie would change his hair color, Clive Owen would dye his hair the same color as David Bowie's. <laughs> That's sick. It is pretty sick. Um, what are his favorite rock and roll bands? Ooh. <laughs> uh, Rolling Stones. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Velvet Underground. The Nationals and <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Hard Fi. <laughs> the Nationals. <laughs> or National. <laughs> the National, yeah. isn't that what it is? Yeah. I put an S on the end by accident. Um, yeah. What's his favorite football club? Uh, Liverpool. He's, uh, he's definitely a a brighton guy he's a liverpool guy <laughs> he even narrated like a documentary about liverpool yeah i saw that so that's uh that yeah, was a I given cheated. Yeah. I cheated. so he went to the royal academy of dramatic arts <laughs> so he's classically trained <laughs> it holds up <laughs> um he stated that um his life was rough at a young age <laughs> His dad left when they were th- when he <laughs> that was a, pr- a direct quote. Um, his dad left when he was three years old, and his dad was the country western singer Jess Owen. And then his mom remarried a railway ticket clerk. He is the fourth of five kids. Um, but then he made his acting debut at age thirteen in Room. In Room. <laughs> um, his his two of his brothers are musicians um he actually you know the the role of king arthur when he played king arthur he got that after russell crowe mel gibson and hugh jackman all turned it down yeah they're all the same person yeah it's so interesting (laughs) throw gerard butler in there too yeah um he's they were there's it said that he fell over laughing when angelina jolie told him that he looked sexy yeah um yeah Good. No, no, I was just gonna. I'll save it for, save it for my shit. Go ahead. Um. He met his wife while playing Romeo and Juliet at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. Classic, classically trained. Um, and that's all I got. Nice. Well, Bailey's kind of. I'm itching to get in there. Yeah, he, yeah. I could feel you. And once it's again, for the listeners, Bailey hot. is remote. Control. <laughs> um, uh-huh. We miss him very much. We haven't seen him in a while, but uh, I could feel him through the laptop it's, it's itching getting hot. and getting hot. The laptop's sweating right now, so um, we better cue the music. I've always wanted to watch Gosford Park. Yo, that movie, I, I always thought it was like... Uh, not like a apparently it's a murder mystery i guess but it always like the cover and everything came up as like i don't know like saws and like a 
romance movies. Nah, it's supposed to be like dark. I, I I started watching it one day, but I just like fell asleep. It is, it's like 1930s, so you yeah. kind of it's a period piece for sure. But yeah, it's like dark murder mystery type. Yeah, and Robert Altman directed it, so he's like really yeah. really good. Um, all right, Bailey. All right, so Clive Owen is a loyal man. One one <laughs> one wife forever. He's only had one uh one um relationship here since 1988. Sarah Jane Fenton. Mhm. One life, one wife. Yeah, straight up. And then I was reading an article where um it was oh, fuck, where is it? No. Um where he literally just there's a an article he did with people <laughs> when the title is just I'd never have an affair with a co-star. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we love and, that. We do love that. Yeah, and um <laughs> despite being called sexy by several past co-stars inclu- including Jolie and Ava Mendez, the star says he has no problem with monogamy. His relationship is everything to him. shout out to him yeah shout out to clive owen the last the last good man man. of hollywood (laughs) (laughs) yes sir guess how much he's worth how much clive uh 20 mil Ooh, 30 mil Mm. yeah he's made some money Mm -hmm. i mean he's in like all you need to be in is like born identity in your set (laughs) or gemini man (laughs) <laughs> true i uh when i read that he's been with one person like his whole life i loved him right then and there i yeah, wonder if no. he's huge in london like i could see him being like england really putting on for clive owen i just kind of get that vibe to our um our england listeners and uh find out what's going on with them yeah that's mm-hmm. true like how do you guys feel about clive because we love him over here mm-hmm. yeah. um, but uh cool well all that's left to do is review the lower rated movie um mm-hmm. so let's bop over to that one and that's the 2015 masterpiece last night's bailey take it away Last night, night, K N I G H T, is a marvelous little gem um, <laughs> where, uh, you know, Clive Owen is a, uh, a knight for sure, and his, uh, his boss is. Uh, <laughs> oh, what, what is he? What is, it, what is Morgan Freeman? His, well, uh, let me see. His, his lord it's his lord yeah his lord and savior morgan freeman um gets fucking fucked over by this new uh i don't this new he's like the minister of this emperor yeah yeah so this guy fucks him over he's a he's one of the top dogs but he's not the emperor or whatever but um so this guy asked Morgan Freeman basically for a bribe and Morgan Freeman's like, nah, man, I don't play that. And, uh, he basically, uh, rolled up 
with a box full of nothing to give to this. I, what, what what am I calling him? Call him the minister. He's like the emperor's right hand man, yeah. and he's shady as fuck, and he basically gets all these lords to give him. He's like the hand bribes. from yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Oh, Littlefinger. Yeah. He's um, yo. He is Littlefinger. <laughs> um. So yeah, Morgan Freeman's like, yo, I don't play that, and then they basically make Clive Owen kill his fucking lord. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um. I guess we'll give it away. <laughs> um, Clive Owen just plays <laughs> plays a drunk for about a year, and then comes out of hiding and then fucks shit up. Yeah, tr- the true long con. Yeah, you know, it's really the, a long con. A very believable like downward spiral yes. too. But I also yeah. want a a big note too is like not only was morgan freeman his lord and savior he was like also a father figure to clive owen yeah they were boys and Mm -hmm. before they make the trip to the emperor to like you know basically say we're not going to take any more bribes and give them this shitty gift um that before that the night before Morgan Freeman takes Clive Owen and like you kind of get the backstory on Morgan Freeman that his whole family has died so he has no heirs to the throne or to his like lordship so he gives Clive Owen his family sword and says you're my heir basically so like there's like a even a tighter tighter bond than just like a knight to his lord mm-hmm. um and so that's why like when this minister of the empire you know, basically says, you talk back to the emperor, you're not going to go along with these bribes, we're going to chop your head off, and you're commander. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say, we're going to chop your head off. Uh, and your commander's going to do it. So, like, the scene where uh, Clive Owen has to cut Morgan Freeman's head off is, like, that's where I was in, though, because up until that point, I was like, I don't know about this movie. It's like disjointed it's like i'm not really feeling much but once once clive owen gets you know has to kill his father figure um that's when i'm on board i'm like oh hell yeah he's gonna he's gonna avenge this and it's gonna be awesome Mm -hmm. yeah um it's never a good sign usually when our bad movies start with a voiceover, so I was really <laughs> nervous about that. But when the voiceover is Morgan, Morgan Freeman. Freeman. Yeah. I know. That was the dilemma. I'm not going to do a voiceover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's definitely in his contract. Um, that yeah. he has to do at least one voiceover. I was also a little worried because I'm like, I don't know if Morgan Freeman is believable as as Lord Bartok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Yo, I was definitely a little wary on the the choices of actors because it, it, it it's very like uh, dude i don't know where they're supposed to be at because like there's a lot of asian people and then there's i don't know it just seemed very like there's a lot of different ethnicities and accents represented mm. in this movie oh for sure. well they 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 kind of address that at the top which i liked like the intro is about this group of warriors who came out of the great war and because there's like mixed races, it, they mention like these warriors came from all different lands and basically just banded together um, because they all believed in this one warrior's code and they believed in Lord Bartok, like 
because there's no alliance to any nations at that time because of the Great War kind of disbanded a bunch of people. So that's like why, because if you didn't know that, like you just look around and be like, yo, all these people are from different countries. Like what is going on here? But they're kind of like a mix and match of like different countries and they they just banded together as like some of the greatest warriors in the world at that time. But I even feel like the people that he goes to meet, who's like the emperor, which is supposed to, I think, be all the same, yeah. are also like every single person has a different accent yeah. in that. I think it's just like a result of a great war happening and like territories and lands not being as like divided or set in stone as possible. It was wild. But, um, the little weaselly guy, the the minister. The minister. He's a minister, guys. <laughs> His accent was atrocious. He would go in and out of it too. He would drop it constantly. Yeah, he, honestly, movie. it should have been Brad Dorif. Um, yeah, that'd be sick. One and two. He sounded like Tommy was O. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it was rough. Um, but the thing we mentioned at the top, which I think makes this movie a good movie, is the whole long con yeah where like i there's a part of me that thought once or twice i'm like yeah this is a long con so what happens is that group of last nights after their lord gets chopped his head chopped off and they get evicted from their lands so like they just disband and live their own lives and that's it and clive owen goes back to the drink and he just becomes a drunkard and sells his sword and becomes a terrible husband and just goes on this downward spiral basically just lost all humanity Mm -hmm. essentially and they they talk about his past he had violent years and dark days so you're like oh he's just returning to this um and it's like super believable it is i think that's part of um attributed to clive owens acting in this oh yeah he does a great job in this movie he barely says a word yet you believe him and the whole time the minister has his like best night following clive owen because he fears that clive owen's gonna avenge the this death of the lord like he knows he's gonna come back for him but like this guy follows him for like a year year and a half and watches this downward spiral and like a very it's like kind of cliche but a very cool scene was like basically the knight at one point is like yo clive owen is out he's given up on life i'm gonna stop following him you don't have to worry about him anymore and immediately the minute this knight like turns around and stops following him clive owen like straightens up sobers up and is like all right let's fucking do this (laughs) yeah it's sick um you know it little does uh the knight that's following Clive Owen know that Clive Owen's got his best knight following him. Yep. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. One person following a person following another person. So he really knows what, uh, that he's getting followed and keep up the shtick. It's like an awesome feeling though. I will say this movie in the beginning, I was, you could even ask Kate, like I was like, yo, this movie's amateurish. This is going to be boring as hell, mm-hmm. but literally, I got more and more pumped up throughout this movie. Like I, this is a movie where like I did not like it in the very beginning, and then I loved it by the end. Like it mm-hmm. just, it was a a, a incline for me the entire time. Yeah, no, I thought it was like I, I wasn't really that. I was on board. I w- probably from minute ten or whatever. I just thought like 
the writing wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, actually like their conversations like made sense to me, and I was like, I was on board. I was ready. I was ready for the ride. It's yeah. really good storytelling, and like yeah. you have Clive Owen and Morgan Freeman, so like, and they're two like main people, so you know they're gonna deliver, and you're gonna buy into it really hard. Normally, these movies have like a lot of plot holes, and mm-hmm. it's like more action driven where they don't really care as much about the plot hole they care more about like people sword fighting and dying and stuff and like it feeling cool than actually making narrative sense but i like that it does so because of the fact that when they chopped the guy's head off they like removed all these villagers from the home and they got displaced it made sense that they would still be bopping around the kingdom and being able to like implant some of the things that they implanted along the way because they were um dislocated from their home so that made sense um yeah so that's the part i think i like the most in this movie when when they start doing odd jobs around the kingdom mm -hmm. like they're like blacksmiths they're gardeners and they you know somehow like with forged papers and these new jobs infiltrate the the actual like the community and the kingdom and the would you call that like a castle? (laughs) Well, I feel like a lot of times these castles like had villagers and like in the surrounding area. So I guess so. Yeah. So the whole time they're doing this like Ocean's Eleven thing where they're infiltrating and they're setting up Mm -hmm. their plan the whole time. And they're basically feeding Clive Owen this information in really creative ways. Like the one person goes in and basically maps out the palace and the, the whole area. And then, you know, the whole time you think Clive Owen is, you know, at the whorehouse, you know, having sex with these women. But in reality, he's like Getting they're they're drawing the maps on these women's backs and he's like studying like it's mm-hmm. in it's really like detailed and kind of like really, really cool. I thought it was yeah, super I, smart. Same. Um, I, yeah. And then um, then. The th- oh, go ahead, Bailey. I was just going to say during the whole. uh do you think he was drunk at all? Do you think he he had a, like just had a really high tolerance? Yo, so had, like, I had that thought too. Like, was he actually drinking? I mean, I think he. I don't know. I guess he was. <laughs> maybe he was actually drinking, but people assumed he was drinking more than he actually was. Yeah. True. So like he was still like drinking, but he was still functional because he was like people. He, assumed, he acted like he was more yeah, drunk he was than putting he was. it on yeah. a little bit. But uh, yeah. the one heartbreaking thing, though, too, is like his wife is playing the part of like, you know, losing him and being mad and that kind of stuff. Like she also is in on it. But like at the same time, and she even mentions this at the end, like she was afraid that she was actually losing him, though. And that's yeah. like kind of heartbreaking, too. And you also think like, why are they going to such great lengths to deceive this man? And it's because when... Um, they decapitated his homie, was his dad, <laughs> um, Morgan Freeman. Um, they, he said, I want a thousand guards protecting me at all times. And it's like, well, they can't compete with a thousand guards. Right. They could compete probably with like a normal protection, normal castle, um, withhold, but they can't, they can't defend against a thousand yeah. soldiers. I mean, they are, these last knights are like some of the greatest warriors, but like the numbers are so stacked like against stacked them. against them. But like yeah. Clive Owen knows immediately, okay, we have to lay low. Like he knew immediately what he has to do. But you just, I don't know, as the viewer, I, I bought into like, oh fuck, he's just, 
he's just down and out like that that killing his lord just like really messed him, him out. up i don't know super yeah. super like different type of movie or like it's it's a plot that's probably been done before but put It'll, it putting yeah. it in this setting was a really good idea and just yeah. the details what made it cool like the shields on the doors and stuff yeah um Yo, he just had to be really patient. He just had to, <laughs> it, like, it, it must be so, you had to be, like, so disciplined and so, like, mm-hmm. honorable <laughs> to, like, yo, just literally wait for a year and a half. I know. To just play this other guy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy. But um, I was just waiting. I didn't, I didn't know if he was going to, like, I didn't know he was acting. I thought there was just going to be something that, like, flipped the switch. Same. Right. That's exactly what I thought. I thought, like, something maybe with his wife. They were going to, like, kill his wife, and that was going to yeah. flip the switch. Like, I really bought in because at one point, the other last nights show up at the bar that he basically frequents, mm-hmm. and they're talking about him, and they're, like, disgusted by him, and he tries to talk to them, and they just, like... They ignore him and they're like, we're no longer, you're no longer our commander, blah, blah, blah. And that like, that really solidified like, oh shit, they don't even respect him anymore. So like just all around, it's like a good job by all of them. (laughs) They did a good job. The twist really got me. And you do kind of like some of the side characters too. I mean, they don't make them like, they don't make them like super... They don't go so, so far into detail with them, but there is like the little guy that like wants to go into war. And yeah. I love that little guy. And then he gets kind of, he has like one of the most important parts in the plan too. It, the old Trojan horse. Yeah, yeah he is the Trojan cool. horse. And when he dies, spoiler alert at the end, I'm like, and he's like, did I do a good job? Oh, I know. I was like, all right, <laughs> laying on a little thick. Cheesy. Yeah, that part's definitely cheesy, but like. I wish he would have said something a little. Yeah, yeah. I wish he would have, like, yeah, I know. Because the guy who's, like, holding him in his arms, he's like, yeah, y- you did a good job. <laughs> he's like, what do you want me to say? Yeah. Yeah, like, what, do you want me to critique it? <laughs> I think it would have been better if he said nothing. <laughs> well, you're dead. Yeah, so. so um, but, yeah, so then it leads to, like, eventually they get to kill the minister and they get their revenge. But even the end is like a bit of a surprise to me so the emperor has to make a decision is he gonna like kill all these last knights for doing what they did because now the people have like rallied around these people and they gave them hope and they kind of stood for the lower class essentially um so the emperor makes this choice that was basically planted in a really smart way by Clive Owen through, you know, through the grapevine type deal um, mm-hmm. that he wouldn't kill all the last nights, but he would kill Clive Owen to show that like, you can't go against the emperor, but at the same time still keep the support of the people. So yeah. Clive Owen essentially sacrifices himself for his other last nights, which is like another crazy honorable thing to do. It's- honor yo he's he so, so and he he talks about honor a lot too. <laughs> um, he wrote the book on honor yeah, yeah he, he really did. did but uh so then here's what i want to ask you bailey and kate so the very end is like he goes to the emperor and they're gonna behead him 
literally the last second, like his head is bent down. The executioner is about to swing the sword and Clive Owen looks at the camera wide eyed and then it just cuts to black. So like, are we looking at a sequel? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. I, I don't know why he went wide eyed. But that was just like a weird director's move. But I think he's just dead. <laughs> I think he's dead. But I'd like to think that the um, mercenary grabbed his hand, pulled him into like a hug and was like, yo, good job. Bro. Yo, I want to believe that he. No, actually, I don't know. Like, it's definitely an honorable thing to sacrifice yourself. But there's a part of me that's like, yo, he even planned it so much that like the executioner is kind of in on it. <laughs> yo, that would be <laughs> That'd be, uh, it's cool to think that, you know, I back that, but uh, I don't know, like, part of me, like, thinks he's too honorable. Yeah, he's, no, he's too he's honorable. Way sure. too honorable. He knew he was going to die this way for the minute he was born. Yeah. yeah. It's just the yeah. wide-eyed look at the camera at the end. It's like, really <laughs> threw me for a loop. I don't know. I also love the death of the, the, what's his name? The minister. The minister. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. Um, because he decides that, you know, I'm going to go out and try to defend myself. And literally Clive Owen's like, yeah, none of that. And just yeah. immediately kills him. I wish yeah. that murder would have been a little more like exaggerated. I wish it would have been a little more because that's what the whole fucking movie is about. I thought it was funny, though, because he's like, yeah, I don't have time for this. Like for yeah. you attacking me with this knife. Yeah, I I enjoyed the 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 like the commander of that army versus Clive yeah. Owen was kind of cool because they both had that mutual respect of like great yep. warriors so that fight scene was really well, that really cool. was the true like death that everyone wanted that's the yeah. true yeah scene it's the true fight that yeah. everybody wanted right because they both were was... honorable men like you could tell like the guy who uh was the knight for the uh the bad dude like kind of was like Yo, this job pays well, but like, I'm not, I don't really back it. Yeah, he definitely didn't back who he was fighting for. But it was the same thing where it was like for honor, right? You gotta, de- <laughs> you gotta defend the person that you're supposed to defend. Exactly. Um, if I could s- describe this one, this movie in one word, it would be honorable. <laughs> yeah, it's very honorable. Yeah. It's an honorable tale. Yo, yeah. in that big fight at the end with the other knight, was there like a sword switch in there? Like, what happened with the swords? I think I think Clive Owen's sword that uh, his lord gave him just kind of cut the other guy's sword in half. Yeah, I don't think there was a sword switch. They just flew out their hands and they re-grabbed Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I thought there was some weird... Jordan was insistent that they switched swords, and I told him <laughs> that they did not switch swords. Well, I also thought, like, when Clive Owen sells his sword, that knight is going to go buy it. I thought that, too. And, like, give it to him at one moment in the movie. So I thought... That night went and bought it. And then he like fought him with it at the end and then their swords get switched and Clive Owen's like, oh shit, this is my sword the whole time. Like, I think you wanted that <laughs> to be the case. You implanted it into the movie. Anyway. There's a lot of sword play. I was kind of into it because when you think about swords, they are crazy. <laughs> it's a crazy weapon to fight with. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. We could We could save sword talk for another time because I... I think we're running out of time. <laughs> I do not think that this movie deserved a 14%. No, not at all. Yeah, no way. But I I feel like I think people saw the cover and they were like, I'm going to write a review. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or like turned it off after the first like 15 minutes. 
Yeah. yeah, I think if you look at the cover and like look at it on paper, you're like, oh, this movie sucks. Because I was definitely guilty of that. But like, yo, give it a shot because it's entertaining. And I mean, if you listen to this, you kind of know the the twist, so it might not be as good. But uh, I don't know. It's it's definitely not 14 percent. But the, the audience rating is like 40, 46. 46 or something. Which I think is more accurate. But um, yeah. Yeah, so um, let's give it a rating, and then we could sign off for this one. I thought we rated it honorable. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's. Oh yeah, it's an honorable tale. It's an honorable, an honorable tale. tale. Um, and then overall, Clive Owen, yo, let's get him back on the radar. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to give it to Bailey. You've been pushing Clive Owen more than anybody for the last couple of years, so like, huh? that's an honorable thing to do, if mm-hmm. I have to say so myself. So honorable. To- Credit needs to be um, due. <laughs> it needs to be due. It yeah, needs it's, to be due. <laughs> the credits are due. Um, but uh, yeah, so good choice. Um, I'm actually really excited to kind of dive into his filmography a little bit on my own. Um, and uh, yeah, but that's all I have for Clive Owen. That's all for the episode. Any other Closing words, closing thoughts. Yo, do we fuck for Clive? Oh, absolutely. One hundred ten percent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're on the Clive train, choo choo. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, as always, um, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review us. Um, we haven't had a review in a while. We're trying to climb those. We're trying those, to go to South by Southwest. We're to <laughs> South by Southwest. <laughs> So we need those ratings and we need those reviews. Also, follow us on Instagram. We've been trying to pop off on there more. So yeah, we love the interaction. We we love nothing more than our fans, and we love the interactions. Um, so yeah, let's just uh, let's keep that up. And uh, so always, thanks for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Bye. 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 Michael. Shannon. All right, I'm gonna stop recording and then. Shoot it.